The Civil Rights Cases, 1883. These are the facts. The Civil Rights Act of 1875 had made it a federal crime for railroads, public conveyances, and public places of amusement to deny full use of their facilities to Negroes because of their race or previous condition of servitude. Moreover, the statute provided for civil remedies against persons who violated the act and permitted Negroes to sue in federal courts to recover damages for acts of discrimination that the statute had declared illegal. The cases before the court in 1883 involved four defendants in criminal suits who were accused of having violated the statute's provisions outlawing racial discrimination and one defendant in a civil suit brought in the federal courts. In deciding the cases, the court considered only the question of Congress's power to legislate against private racial discrimination. The argument by the Solicitor General of the United States. May it please the court. Is the Act of 1875 constitutional? That is understood to depend upon its conformity to the provisions of one or another of amendments passed after the Civil War. Upon the whole, authorities have decided that the 13th Amendment forbids slavery and involuntary servitude and all badges an incident of either institution. That the 14th Amendment expresses prohibitions and consequently implies corresponding immunities from state interference with the rights of citizenship granted by that amendment and warrants legislation by Congress when such interference is committed by agents of the states. Since one of the main instruments of the institution of slavery as it was known in this country before its abolition was the limiting of a slave's freedom of movement on the highway so that his capture could be effected, interfering with a Negro's access to the facilities of inns and public conveyances because of his race, is a badge of slavery forbidden by the 13th Amendment and the proper subject of congressional legislation. Also, since, as the law has shown, public conveyances, inns and places of amusement are instrumentalities of the state, Discrimination of these establishments and their owners against Negroes because of their race is prohibited by the 14th Amendment. As that amendment empowers Congress to legislate to enforce the terms of their provisions, the Act of 1875 must be held to be constitutional. The Opinion of the Court by Mr. Justice Bradley. The primary question of the cases is the constitutionality of the first section of the Civil Rights Act of 1875. The congressional power to pass the act is sought first in the 14th Amendment, and the views and arguments of distinguished senators whilst the law was under consideration are the principal propositions put forth in justification of the power. Secondly, congressional power to pass the act is sought in the 13th Amendment, which abolished slavery. The first section of the 14th Amendment, which is the one relied on, after declaring who shall be citizens of the United States and of the several states, 
is prohibitory in its character and prohibitory upon the states. It declares, all persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and of the state wherein they reside. No state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction equal protection of the laws. Individual invasion of individual rights is not the subject matter of this amendment. It has a deeper and broader scope. It nullifies and makes void all state legislation and state action of every kind which impairs the privileges and immunities of the citizens of the United States or which injures them in life, liberty, or property without due process of law or which denies them the equal protection of the laws. It not only does this, but in order that the national will thus declared will prevail, the last section of the amendment vests Congress with the power to enforce it by appropriate legislation. To enforce what? To enforce the prohibition. To adopt appropriate legislation for correcting the effects of such prohibited laws and state acts, and thus to render them null and void. This is the legislative power conferred upon Congress, and this is the whole of it. Therefore, until some state law has been passed or some state action through its officers or agents has been taken, adverse to the rights of citizens sought to be protected by the 14th Amendment, no legislation of the United States under said amendment, nor any proceeding under such legislation can be called into activity. An inspection of the law here in dispute shows that it makes no reference whatever to any supposed or apprehended violation of the 14th Amendment on the part of the states. It proceeds ex directo to declare that certain acts committed by individuals shall be deemed offensive and shall be prosecuted and punished by proceedings in the courts of the United States. Since it does not refer in any manner to any supposed action of the state or its authorities, it is not corrective legislation. Rather, the law is primary and direct legislation which steps into the domain of legal jurisprudence and lays down rules for the conduct of individuals in society toward each other. In view of the fact that the 14th Amendment permits Congress to legislate only in response to some state action, that amendment cannot be used to justify the constitutionality of the 1875 Act. We therefore must turn to see if the statute can be maintained on the basis of the 13th Amendment. The 13th Amendment abolishes slavery in the United States and any place subject to its jurisdiction and empowers Congress to enforce the amendment by appropriate legislation. Such legislation may be primary and direct in its character, since the amendment is not a mere prohibition of state laws establishing or upholding slavery, but an absolute declaration that slavery or involuntary servitude shall not exist in any part of the United States, and that Congress has a right to enact all necessary and proper laws for the obliteration and prevention of slavery and all its badges and incidents. But is there any similarity between involuntary servitude 
and a denial by the owner of an inn, public conveyance, or a theater of its accommodations and privileges to an individual, even though the denial be founded on the race or color of the individual? Where does slavery or servitude or badge of either arise from such an act of denial? After giving the question all the consideration which its importance demands, we are forced to the conclusion that such an act or refusal has nothing to do with slavery or involuntary servitude, and that if it is a violation of any rights of the party, his redress is to be sought under the laws of the state. It would be running the slavery argument into the ground to make it apply to every act of discrimination which a person may see fit to make as to the guests he will entertain or to the people he will serve in coach, cab, or car, or admit to his concert or theater, or deal with in other matters of intercourse or business. These areas of life and affairs involve social rights, rights whose adjustment was not encompassed by the 13th Amendment. Rather, that amendment was enacted to guarantee all citizens the fundamental rights which are the essence of civil freedom. And it is only to the abrogation of these rights that legislation pursuant to the amendment can be directed. We are therefore of the opinion that this statute cannot be upheld on the grounds of either the 13th or the 14th amendments and must be declared unconstitutional. A dissenting opinion by Mr. Justice Harlan. The opinion in this case proceeds, it seems to me, on grounds entirely too narrow and artificial. I cannot resist the conclusion that the substance and spirit of the recent amendments to the Constitution have been sacrificed by a subtle and ingenious verbal criticism. The 13th Amendment, it is conceded, did something more than to prohibit slavery as an institution, resting upon distinctions of race and upheld by positive law. My brethren admit that it establishes civil freedom throughout the United States. Since slavery was the principal cause of the adoption of the 13th Amendment, and since that institution rested clearly upon the inferiority as a race of those held in bondage, the freedom of former slaves necessarily involved immunity from and protection against all discriminations against them because of their race in respect of such rights as belong to freemen of other races. Congress, therefore, under its express power to enforce that amendment by appropriate legislation, may enact laws to protect the people against the deprivation because of their race of any civil rights granted to other freemen in the same state. And such legislation may be of a direct and primary character, operating upon states, their officers and agents, and also upon at least such individuals and corporations as exercise public functions and wield power and authority under the state.
The statute here in question is constitutional because its direct and primary legislative nature is to remove from Negroes burdens and disabilities that hinder them from enjoying the same civil rights white citizens enjoy. It has long been part of our law that the types of commerce included in the provisions of the statute form commerce of such a special nature that to deny persons access to them because of their race is in effect to deny them civil rights because of their race. Much of what has been said as to the power of Congress under the 13th Amendment is applicable to its power under the 14th Amendment. The assumption that the 14th Amendment consists wholly of prohibitions upon state laws and state proceedings in hostility to its provisions is unauthorized by its language. The first clause of the first section is of a distinctly affirmative character. In its application to the colored race previously liberated, it created and granted as well as citizenship of the United States citizenship of the state in which they respectively resided. The citizenship thus acquired by that race in virtue of an affirmative grant from the nation may be protected not only by the judicial branch of the government, but by congressional legislation of a primary and direct character. This is because the power of Congress is not restricted to the enforcement of prohibitions upon state action or state laws. It is, in terms distinct and positive, to enforce the provisions of this article, not simply those of a prohibitive character, but of the provisions. Accordingly, Congress is thus given by the terms of the 14th Amendment the right to pass direct and primary legislation to protect Negroes in their federally created rights of state and national citizenship. As for what was secured by the Negro citizens by the national grant to them of state citizenship, there is one right if there be no other, the exemption from race discrimination in respect to any civil right belonging to citizens of the white race in the same state. Their national citizenship surely is their constitutional privilege when within the jurisdiction of other states and such must be their constitutional right in their own state, unless the recent amendments be splendid baubles thrown out to delude those who deserve fair and generous treatment at the hands of the nation. Citizenship in this country necessarily imports at least equality of civil rights among citizens of every race in the same state. For the reasons stated, I feel constrained to withhold my assent to the opinion of the court.